Hello, I'm Somi Aryan. I'm a tech philosopher and the founder of Impeak. Today, I bring you an interview with Nihar Nilakanti, the co-founder and CEO of Ecosapiens, a super interesting NFT project that enables you to offset your carbon footprint whilst purchasing a beautiful piece of art. So without further ado, let's get right into the conversation with Nihar. So I know that you're doing, you're trying to do something with um, the environment and Web3. Mm -hmm. uh, and these are two words that, generally speaking, don't go together very well for a long time, right? Because there's always been, yeah. yeah, there's always been like this, this perception that we are the environment killer. <laughs> so, so tell me about your business. What is it exactly that you're building? Yeah, sure. No, I mean... It is true. Like if you look at the, the long tail history of blockchains, they generally haven't been good for the environment. Um, but I'm kind of, you know, approached EcoSapiens sort of with a different angle. So, you know, uh, my background, I used to be in venture capital for many years, um, you know, three different funds, most recently in a firm called Menlo Ventures, which is where I really started diving into climate change and climate tech. And EcoSapiens is really this, it's really a thesis driven company. Um, and what I mean by that is, um, I've been kind of exploring this idea of, you know, why is it so hard for consumers to make a positive impact on the planet? And when you look at it, it's really uh, kind of obvious, but I'll just kind of go through it. Um, it's most oftentimes living eco-friendly is out of touch for people. Uh, it requires a lifestyle change, like biking from A to B instead of taking a car. Uh, and it's oftentimes more expensive, right? Think about buying Patagonia um, or like recycle-based materials. Um, and I wanted to essentially build a platform that made it easy for everyday people to make a difference. And EcoSapiens essentially is the world's first carbon back collectible that offsets a full year's worth of carbon emissions or more through digital art. And that's what's called an EcoSapien. Okay. Super interesting. One thing that I'd never understood, Nihar, is the idea of carbon offsetting. I don't quite get it. So you, so does it mean that you... Generally speaking, you you just like live the life that you want and and um, you know, damage the environment as you go about your life, and then you pay some money and and how does that fix it? Well, first of all, we should all be trying to reduce our carbon footprint where we can, but it's really hard. Like I was saying, I you know I live in San Francisco and I go back and forth between New York. It's it's not like I'm going to bike between the two cities. You're going to have to take a plane, right? Uh, you're enjoying meat, perhaps like I'm you know, definitely not vegan and that costs carbon. Um, so carbon credits, basically it's a unit of value that encompasses um, a unit of carbon that's in the air. And it's most oftentimes represented as a unit of carbon removed from there and put it into the ground. So like reforestation, forestry, regenerative agriculture, for example. So when you buy a carbon offset, what you're essentially doing is you're financing carbon removal somewhere else, right? And once again, it's not an excuse for not trying to make small choices where you can. Like I'm definitely an advocate for eat less meat. I'm trying to do it myself. But in instances where you can't, the truth is the easy accessible option is to buy a carbon credit um, that does make a real world difference. And so all we're trying to do is basically say, why don't we take these carbon credits, making make them accessible on chain, really disguise it as a piece of art. So when you buy art, you're offsetting, you know, not only your personal emissions, but you're protecting, you know, carbon sinks around the world. So how does that work? So um, let's say I buy 
I, I've seen that you've got these NFTs. Yeah. Going, yeah. Uh, so what happens exactly? What do you do with that? You take that money and then you go and spend it on uh, offsetting capital for people. So it's actually a carbon-backed NFT. So the moment you mint an Ecosapien, what's happening is on the back end, we work with a brokerage provider that's able to source carbon credits. And we instantly make a call that grabs those credits, brings them and attaches it to the NFT. So every time the NFT also trades, the carbon credits move with it. It is actually, it's kind of like an album, like a music album, right? You have the CD, which is the carbon credit, but really people like to you know put the album on their wall, right? So it's exactly, that's that's kind of exactly what we're doing. It is a carbon backed, um, you know, digital, uh, digital collectible. That's super interesting. Um, so how do you uh, how how's the reception mean for about this like uh, how how eager are the degen <laughs> degen web <laughs> community you know our view a lot of people in a web 2 world are really deeply concerned about the climate and want to make a difference i mean there's a reason why there's such a term as climate anxiety you know billy eilish um is you know tweeting talking about um you know climate issues right and we're seeing um, blockbuster movies talking about climate. I think Nike and Adidas are butting head to head to be the plastic-free shoe. It's a big issue. The question for us um, when building a new company is always like getting the wedge. And for us, it's definitely the Web3 NFT collector community. To what you were saying earlier, what I've seen is a lot of DGENs, the biggest flack they've historically gotten has been their carbon footprint. You know, like you trade NFTs or you're trading, um, you know, Bitcoin, it has made an impact on their carbon footprint. And it's something people hear over over the counter at dinner meals, right? With friends and family, Thanksgiving, like, oh, you're buying all this Bitcoin that's hurting the planet. And so in many ways, a lot of those people have come to us because we flipped it around. We're saying, look, this isn't just an NFT that's eco-friendly because it offsets your whole year. It makes It's actually the NFT that makes you an eco-hero entirely, you know? And I think for DGENs, a lot of times it can be viewed as a form of salvation for all, you know, their transactions and emissions they do create on chain. Um, you know, if you've got an NFT portfolio and, you know, you've got your culture stuff, you've got your soccer stuff, sports, whatever, we're really the only opportunity you have to, to add a, a green chip, you know, NFT to your portfolio. Um, and it's a real world asset, right? It's actually a real world asset on chain. You own those credits. Um, and it's just interesting. I think it's a form of salvation for a lot of people. Mm -hmm. And how many communities have you talked to so far? You know, how, how's the, uh, you've got a mint coming up? We had a mint a month ago and uh, it's still in season. So the way it works is if you just pick up a chrysalis on OpenSea, you can take that chrysalis, which is more like an egg, you could say, and you can hatch it into an ecosapien by infusing carbon. So it's actually a dynamic NFT, um, which you can still do. We're in this category that people call refi, which is crypto meets climate. And it's this burgeoning community of people that are using Web3 to advance you know, climate change and climate tech. And... Um, you know, we're one of the few NFT plays within that category, but our platform is really a lot larger than just NFTs. It actually is like a marketplace of digital goods that sequester carbon. And this just happens to be our first collection. Mm -hmm. Okay. Um, so if I wanted to get one of those, where do I go now? Go to OpenSea and just search up Ecosapiens and you'll see the first one, which is Ecosapiens Genesis collection. All you got to do is pick up a uh, chrysalis, then go to our, you know, ecosapiens.xyz and log in and then evolve it. Um, and that's really all it takes. It's really simple. I mean, G Money just did it the other day uh, as we announced our new fundraise, you could probably see on his his page, but um, 
Yeah, it's cool. People people love doing it. It's it's interesting to see people show up and you can see it on Twitter. They buy the thing, they evolve it every week, infusing more carbon, and they're really happy. Like I just crushed 24 tons of carbon. That's a lot, by the way. Like what is what does a ton of carbon look like? It's like the size of a car. It's a lot. Okay. And and is there are you also trying to create experiences for the holders? Is that is there like an for example, like I could see that you could have your own channel on our platform and like educate people about these things, right? Because most people don't know. Um, so, so are you creating uh, unique experiences for people as well as uh, as as part of this ongoing education? And, and because we live in this yeah. world now that everything is, you know, people crave experiences. Yeah. Well, this is why we're so excited about your platform, Somi. I mean, um, you know, lots of people are asking this question, how do I live a more sustainable, eco-friendly life, right? And our product today is just like another tool kind of in your arsenal, but there's so much more to living and quote unquote, being an eco-sapien, right? Going from homo sapien to eco-sapien. It's how you live, it's how you eat, it's how you um, use technology, it's how you move, et cetera. Uh, health and wellness, it's all kind of part of this, this sphere of like, you know, living eco-friendly. And so we actually, even in our discord today, we do oftentimes give people tips like, how to live more sustainably today. Like we actually have a TikTok um, platform. We have an influencer now that's actually making videos about do-it-yourself hacks and living more sustainably. Because um, also, by the way, like reusing clothing, for example, and do-it-yourself has huge positive benefits to the planet. So there's a lot of education um, around, you know, living more sustainably. Yeah, I can see that, for example, you could have really unique experiences um, on the platform where... Um, because one of the things about our platform is that you can collaborate with other communities, invite them just simply by adding them, you know, from a drop down menu. And um, let's say, for example, you were, if you were, um, you know, uh, collaborating with G Money or with, say, World of Women or, you know, Yuga Labs or whatever, right? You could, you could simply add those communities. They could come in and then you can then invite um, you know, some some uh, people who are really well known in that space, who, yep. uh, you know, who can come in and talk about these things and people can come to the stage and ask, you know, I can see people getting really uh, into it. Like, you know, like mm -hmm. I would want to know, you know, like every time I buy, I buy uh, anything in the supermarket, like, you know, growing up in Iran, um, I never, ever saw so much plastic in my life. Because you would never, you know, buy things packaged. You would go to a grocery store and you would have, you always had these envelopes and you would, you know, like, not envelopes, sorry, like more like uh, packets, right? Like packets, right? And uh, which are made of paper, you would go around with these packets and then you would put whatever you wanted to buy into that, right? And then, and then they would weigh it. Uh, we bought things by weighing them. It wasn't like mm -hmm. buy four apples packaged in a you know a ton of packaging you know uh, and and I never understood that so and when I came here I was like I don't understand why there's so much plastic you know like everything okay it's nice that everything is packaged so uh, so that it lasts a bit longer but then what kind of damage that's doing and then the amount of waste that goes back into the into the society so I think that the real win is when you would be able to uh, maybe attract corporations uh, to to get involved with these. You know, if if we start getting, 
you know, big um, supermarkets, especially, you know, like they are some of the most polluting, you know. Uh, so do you, do you see that that might be possible that they might become your uh, future customers? Yeah, I mean, well, first of all, by the way, on the plastic stuff, it's interesting if you watch videos of like cities uh, in like 19, if you watch those, like old, you know, movies or television shows of like the 1930s or whatever, it's funny, you'll see that like you walk the streets of New York and there's no trash, everything's clean. And it's because there just literally wasn't trash back then. When you bought something, you used it for decades, for you know many years, there was no packaging. And as a result, the streets were actually always clean. You know, it's actually, it's actually really interesting. It's kind of like Japan. Um, but yeah, look for us, um, corporates is a really, it's an angle that we're going to focus on this year. And we've, you know, I can't really name names, but we are, you know, building out a few pilots as we speak. Um, companies do buy carbon to, for two reasons. One is they do have climate emissions goals, but to secondly, it is to signal to their customers that they're on the forefront of sustainability. Right. And so we're actually thinking of commissioning, um, you know, pieces for companies that are already buying carbon um, and basically making pieces that are not just the symbol and the embodiment of climate positivity, but quite literally is actually offsetting carbon and protecting, you know, rainforest or soil or whatever the project might be. Um, and this is like a really, you know, unique opportunity for us because once again, this isn't just a JPEG on the web. It's actually a real world asset. Um, connected to, you know, pieces of art that people can probably, you know, uh, acknowledge as a verification symbol. But the second thing is, and this is more of a thing that I've been thinking about. It's not something we're implementing anytime soon. But, you know, a lot of people do donate at grocery stores at the checkout line. The problem is when you round up your dollar, you have no idea where that money's going. You don't get to see the follow through and you don't get to see like the long-term impact of it. And this is an issue, I think, for so many people that give right? They just don't know what's happening. Um, and as a result, they don't do it repeatedly. So imagine if you were, you know, at the grocery store, right? let's just say Whole Foods or something. I don't know if there's a Whole Foods in London, by the way. Yes, there, there are. Yeah. So you're at the Whole Foods line and it says, wow, you're buying a lot of organic foods and local, uh, locally based. You're doing something really good for the environment. Why don't you double down? Um, why don't you double down on your impact with the Whole Foods EcoSapien, you know, collectible? Join our, you know, Whole Foods collective uh, of climate change fighters um, and see your impact repeatedly. And now imagine every time you go to the checkout line, you just keep accumulating new NFTs or new collectibles that are doing good and you get to track it and trace it because it's all on chain. So this is the super cool thing with on with climate change and blockchain, right? Is that you can see exactly where the money is going. Um, and I think that's one of the great opportunities for impact NFTs as a whole. And I know I'm like now, you know, going down this whole, um, you know, rabbit hole, but like, Yes, we do see ourselves working uh, with corporates. And I think the grocery store angle is really interesting. Um, but really, you can extrapolate it to the checkout anywhere, if you think about it, not Definitely. just grocery stores. I, I, I can really see that the use case of, of this in Web3 because of that um, element of being able to see on chain everything that, that happens in the journey of that uh, carbon credit. Um, or carbon offset, yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. yeah. So I uh, cannot carbon credit. Carbon credit is it the same thing? It, it's like, uh, what, how do you? Uh, it can be. They yeah, can it can be, be yeah. technically the same thing. Um, so uh, are you also doing things in Web two right now, or are you just focusing on Web three? We're just focusing on Web three. I think. Okay. When, when I when I was looking at this question of how do we 
empower everyday people to make an impact on the planet. You know, the thesis really was you have to make it one click easy. You have to make it financially attractive and you have to make it cultural. That's sort of our three pronged thesis. And if you look at those three ingredients, um, you know, make it easy to access something, make it potentially financially attractive and make it cultural. That formula, when I looked at it, only existed in NFTs. Mm-hmm. Seriously. Yeah. Um, now you could argue, you know, how easy is Web3? And I think it'll change over time. Um, but there was some, there is a zeitgeist around NFTs and collectibles and art. And so, you know, to turn climate action into this accessible piece via the blockchain uh, in a cultural forum, it, this it only could happen in Web3 for us. Mm-hmm. And so, um, uh, that's 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 our thesis, and that's why we went headstrong into into Web three. Yeah. Okay. Um. So you it you must think that this Web three thing is going somewhere. You're right. Yeah. Like you, <laughs> you, you genuinely. I hope I have to. Yeah. Yeah. You genuinely think that you know because the, I have had moments of my doubt the past year, and you know, and I'm like looking at how much interest there really is from people coming into the space. And I've recently been pretty disheartened because, uh, so before before getting into Web3, I was really focused on AI. I was giving a lot of talks around uh, AI. This was like 2017, 18, 19. I wrote a book about the future of work. It was all focused on AI. And at that time, nobody was talking about AI the same way that I was like focused on it. And then Web3 became really big. And I, I saw an opportunity to kind of, you know, focus more on this area. And then that um, died out a little bit. And the people who are there are there. They haven't left to, to uh, you know, to, to the best of my knowledge you know, from what I see. Uh, there have been people that uh, kind of took a step back a little bit, but new people aren't coming into the space. And most of the time recently, when I reach out to uh, experts to have on my podcast, especially if I have people who are focused in AI, there's been times that I've been turned down by people who have said, because you talk about Web3, we won't come on your podcast. And, And that's kind of quite like, I was like, wow, that's harsh. Right. Like they're like so many like I love your podcast. It seems like, you know, you're doing really well. You're on top of your game. Uh, This sounds like, you know, really cool. But because you talk about Web3, I don't feel comfortable being on there um, because I don't want I don't want to be associated with Web3. And I've I've uh, yeah, that I find that very concerning. So there has been times where I've been like, is this thing really going somewhere? You know, yeah. it's worrying. So what do you think? You must have done a lot of research when you were preparing for this. Yeah, I mean, we built our entire company in the bear market. <laughs> if that says anything. Um, well, look, I'll say a few things. Uh, first one on the point of AI, by the way. I do think it's interesting because AI and Web3, I think, are at fundamental odds. Um, Web3 is about giving people back power. AI is taking power away from people. You know, um, so in many cases, like yeah, it's more centralizing. AI is more centralizing. Uh, Web three is more decentralizing, and that's what I I literally responded that to the person who turned down uh, my part my podcast. He said that you know that that I was like you're into AI, 
do you realize AI is really empowering the centralized powers and Web3 is an antidote to that. And, and it's important that we, uh, look, I'm all up for AI. Uh, I, like I said, I wrote about it. I talked about it many years before I got into Web3. But uh, I think that Web3 has an opportunity to empower people and push for the decentralization of AI. Yeah, I mean, on a principles level for what people want, I think they can work great together because um, I th- look, I think technology will always win if it makes our lives uh, better, faster, cheaper, right? That's always sort of the note is that technology comes around every so often, radically sometimes, and it makes our lives better, faster, cheaper, and we adopt it, right? It's There was a time when you didn't want to put your credit card on the internet because you thought people would take your money. Um, we're kind of doing that in Web3 also, right? There are lots of scams. There are lots of things to be worried about. But I, I don't think these things are opposing in the sense like AI is a technology, right, that actually has great use cases today. Like I use it, we use it uh, in, uh, for many reasons. Um, but Web3 is like, when I look at the long tail of history, there's always this push and pull between centralized and decentralized. And whenever the gap is two in favor of one or another, you actually have uh, a revolution. I mean, that's like the basis of the French revolution, for example, a lot of um, revolutions that have happened over the last 200 years, industrial revolution has been because of like governments and people with excess wealth and uh, people that don't have, you know, as easy access, whenever that, whenever that distribution has been way too um, different, you've always seen a revolution, you know, and this is why people are so worried about AI because AI might actually take away so much power and information wealth from people that could cause a revolution, right? Look, I believe in web three because technology made a lot of sense for what we are doing specifically. Like I said, if you want to make climate action, uh, possible for people, you do have to make it easy, economic, and engaging. And I think a lot of those things existed in Web3. Look, there's a reason why capitalism doesn't work for climate change, because we have an extractive system, right? Land, labor, capital equals production equals value. And if you keep thinking about the cycle of land, labor, capital, we can always, we'll always have more labor, maybe not with AI, uh, but and we'll also generate more capital. But land is the thing that's finite. It's a finite resource. Inevitably, uh, land disappears in this land labor capital equation. And what happens is the whole system collapses. Um, this happened with the Mayans. Um, uh, gosh, I'm forgetting when the Mayan like civilization collapsed. It was like 700 years ago. But the best theory we have today is that they uh, deforested all their land and they had no more resources and they collapsed. That's actually the best theory we have. So we know what happens when you extract too much from the planet without regenerating it. You actually, it actually leads to a system collapse. And unfortunately, capitalism is doing that, right? We are actually running out of resources. Um, we're creating too much carbon in the air. If you could actually use capital as a way to regenerate like natural resources, like use capital after production. Like if Apple, every time you made an iPhone, if they said, here's a carbon footprint of it, we're going to have to now uh, replant X amount of trees or clean up the X amount of air. You actually will have a system that's harmoniously like in synergy with uh, the planet and with their economic system. Problem is you can't really do that with capitalism today. Um, you can do it with tokenomics, with a, with, with a Web3 infrastructure that natively has um, regeneration as a focus. You can actually use capital to not only uh, generate the economy, but it can actually use, be used to like uh, fix our planet. And so, um, you know, can AI solve climate change? No. (laughs) 
Um, I think it can create better models by which we assess, you know, risk um, for climate. But climate change is inherently uh, economic systems issue. It's not like a tech. It's we actually have all the technology to fight climate change. That's actually the greatest thing. We have um, direct air carbon capture. We can replant trees. We can live a circular economy. Um, it's our economic system that isn't servicing it. And that's why that's where Web3 um, can really make a difference. And it's called regenerative finance. That's like the category um, that I'm describing. And it's it's really powerful and it's getting a lot of momentum. Yeah, definitely. I agree. Um, it's funny you should say that about the tokenomics of it. I always give the example whenever I'm speaking at conferences about you know, web trying to explain Web three to completely Web two uh, audiences, especially. For example, I was I was like, giving a talk at a travel conference, and I spoke to them about this example of using tokens to uh, encourage people to recycle. You know, how, like it it seems like such a great way of doing it, and it sounds like that's what you're doing with EcoSapiens in a way, right? Mm -hmm. it, it's it's it was a different model use case. That I I explained it wasn't like you buy this and you offset your carbon. It was more like you know that um, it, let's say for example you're going through uh, the airport. You know, if you bring your own bottle so that you don't uh, uh, buy a, a you know. Uh, bottled water and then you know you you get tokens for for doing that you know and and like it, that was like a case of how you could hypothetically use tokens for encouraging positive action which is one of the things that's the most um uh, exciting and most you know potentially uh powerful things that you can do with tokens is about changing incentives and when you change yeah. incentives you uh or you program incentives you program behavior um mm -hmm. and and that's basically kind of like what what you are doing right um yep. so uh so how, how long have you been going now with this uh, project it's been about one year a little wow. over one year okay and um uh, so did you say that you have got your your tokens coming in seasons so you had your genesis what else what else is coming oh we have a lot more planned so um yesterday we actually just announced um you know our three and a half million raise yesterday and this adds to our total funding five million dollars and this is to do multiple collections and multiple drops uh expand really build like the first marketplace of carbon uh sequestering you know digital goods um we will, you know, be doing more collections. We will, we will be expanding them. I think they're going to get more creative. I don't think there's any one right model. Like after studying NFTs for some time now, I don't think there's any one single model. I think there could be a dynamic, another dynamic NFT. They could be smaller, different character lines. Um, we can do more commission pieces. We can even do like an open edition. Uh, we're still sorting through what we want to do, but I do have like a, a framework for how to think about it. There is a, on the scale of, Time consuming to one click is like the x-axis in terms of like the user experience for the for the you know, the game design of the tokens, and um, you also have like price, right? Like something super premium or something that's more entry level. That's the axis I have. Um, the one we built today is high user, like it requires a lot of user experience because you're upgrading every week. It's a season. It's a dynamic NFT, and it's high price. Right. The truth is our pieces are a thousand dollars each. They're not cheap. Um, they're definitely premium and they're bespoke, but they're vintage. So this would be on the 
uh, time like it requires more effort because it's more game-like and it's expensive. And I think we're going to try things all across the board. I think we're going to try things that are less dynamic, right? Where maybe it's just you buy it once and probably lower costs, right? Mm -hmm. I, this is just like my mental schema for how we think about it. Um, but we're in the business of making climate action, you know, easy, economic, and fun, right? I think yeah. we're going to try multiple models and there's different people for different, you know, types of projects. Okay. One last question. So have you thought about uh, kind of like a similar uh, concept to what Starbucks is doing with the stamps? We are actually going to be releasing. Uh, so I'm, I'm thinking about how do we create uh, recurring revenue in Web3 for our B2C side? B2B part is clear, but, but the B2C side of things, um, which is basically just people buying membership of the platform, right? Uh, and, and the content. And um, for that, one thing I'm, I'm going to try to test is that to release these stamps, uh, like membership stamps that you buy and it gives you a year access to the platform, um, but it has a unique artwork. And then after a year, even when it's no longer in use, that artwork has got a unique, um, you know, a reference to a point in time. So for example, our first collection will be based on a reference to ChatGPT because of you know everything that's going on right now, right? Um, so, uh, so, so this is a way that I'm thinking about creating these stamps. I like that idea of, of stamps because potentially then we can also bring in people from Web2. Um, have you thought about doing something like that to, to going to go for, because the Web3 space is so small right now. Like it's, you know, the whole NFT um, uh, community is probably barely 30 to 40,000 active users. Um, yeah. So, yeah, so so have you thought about that? Um, and uh, are you planning or thinking we might do something like that? Yeah, I, I think um, I've been studying the Starbucks Odyssey program a lot um, because it is, it's, it's an incentive alignment, right? It's for them, it's, you know, buy coffee, get rewards. Um, for us, it's like, do good for the world, you know, get more, get good for yourself somehow. Um, I think it's great because I think oftentimes you buy one NFT or you buy one token and you just hold it. But when you have this like stamp like mechanism, you're actually getting repeatable usage out of it. Right. And so to your point, you may only have 30 or 40,000 active users in sort of the space. But maybe a handful of those people would just repeatedly get the stamp, right? Which could make up for sort of the difference in the market. Um, you know, in by my analysis, Starbucks is really the first people to really do this. Uh, it's not like Porsche is doing it. You know, it's not like Walmart's doing it. Um, Starbucks is really the first to kind of venture in this space. So, so I think it's still experimental. Is I guess what I'm trying to say. Um, but is it a better incentive alignment than just like random, like really just like? random stamps or random points yeah i think so because you can it's actually worth something it's tradable yeah um and i think that's sort of the point i think for me i look at it as like a strategy to acquire a lot of customers because if you can get people to trade those stamps you're actually just getting more people mm -hmm. um with the same token you know so i i wish i had more i i think for us it's i think we would want to partner with the starbucks rather than create our own thing right like every third organic coffee unlock a you know ecosaping collectible. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm just making this up. We haven't spoken to them at all, but I actually I, from... I, I had them on the podcast and I'm meeting with them in um in New York because 
I think uh, there's a lot of potential, you know, possibilities for us to collaborate with them as well. And I, I love what they're doing. I think it's the most interesting thing I've seen in the NFT space by a long shot. It's it's a, it's a true, I, I think it really is reimagining how loyalty and rewards and community works. I, I, I think it's a true reinvention. Yeah. Awesome. All right. Well, uh, what what do you want people hearing this to do? What's the next step you want them to take? And so you, you want them to keep an eye on your upcoming collection, go go buy one on uh, OpenSea, um, follow you. What, what's your call to action? Yeah. Well, I mean, all of the above, but you know, add a green chip to your NFT collection. You can just go to OpenSea and look up EcoSapiens EcoGenesis collection and pick up a Crystal's NFT. They're um, you know, they're trading at about $150, $200 right now and uh, take it to our platform and become an EcoSapien of all of it. And I think awesome. you'll see. I'm definitely going to do that. All right. Well, thank you so much. Uh, I appreciate your time, Niar. Uh, thank you for being here. And I look forward to following your journey. And uh, looking forward to seeing you at the dinner party again. <laughs> yeah, definitely. I hope you enjoyed this conversation with Nihar. Be sure to follow EcoSapiens on Twitter and explore their project further, especially if you're someone who deeply cares about the cross-section of art and the environment. If you enjoyed this podcast, be sure to subscribe to it on Apple, Spotify, or any other one of your favorite podcast channels. And don't forget to give the five-star rating and write a review. The full interviews are also available on my YouTube channel, The Somi Ariane Show. <laughs>